Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayer for attention to the Gospel according to Luke. Luke chapter 1, and reading for our text, verse 79, or part of that verse. The last part of that verse, we read the way of peace, and I desire this evening to continue our series on the way. We had Jesus the way and the way of holiness, and now this evening, the way of peace. The whole verse reads, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Luke chapter 1 and verse 79. As we said when we introduced the reading of this passage, that this is the prophecy of Zacharias. You would remember that Zacharias was made dumb when he did not believe the angel that told him that his wife Elizabeth was with child or would be with child and as a sign then he was made dumb until the child was born and then when the child was born they wanted to do as was the custom name him after his father Zacharias but his mother said not so and they called for a writing tablet and asked Zacharias what he should be called, and he then wrote his name uh, shall be called John. And immediately his mouth was opened, we read in verse 64, and his tongue loosed, and he spake and praised God. And so one of the first things that he did, uh, able to speak once more, was to give prophecy concerning this son. Many, when his mouth was loosed, his tongue was loosed in that way, they, they marvelled, they, they said, what manner of child shall this be? And then Zacharias, filled with the Holy Ghost, makes this prophecy. He is the messenger that was to be sent before our Lord. And so it is a ministry of preparing the way of the Lord and to guiding the feet of the people of God into the way of peace. Now by nature we're anything but in a way of peace. If we see what Paul writes to the Romans, in Romans chapter 3 and verse 10, we read, It is written, There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way, they are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulchre, with their tongues they have used to see the poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, 
destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That is how we are by nature. Remember as a child questioning my parents over one of our hymns, hymn 76. At peace with hell, with God at war, in sin's dark maze we wander far. My question with them was, hadn't the hymn writer got it wrong? Shouldn't it have been at peace with God, with hell at war? But at that time I didn't know my own wicked and sinful heart and how much at enmity and hatred to God I was. And that is the state of, of all men. We've all gone astray. We've all gone to our own way. And the word of God again is very clear. And in Isaiah, well, there are several passages in Isaiah, but if we just uh, look at one in Isaiah 48, we read concerning the path of the wicked, that that is a path in which there is no peace at all. The end of that verse, the last verse in that chapter 48, there is no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked. And we are all wicked by nature. That is our state, and that is our condition. So what is man's expectation? If John Baptist was to direct our ways, our paths, our feet into the way of peace, what is it that we are thinking of as to the way of peace? And I want to look this evening at three points which I hope we'll cover in a fairly comprehensive way this word the way of peace I want to look first at man's expectation of peace fallen man what does he expect when he hears of peace in the word of God or thinks of peace what is he thinking and then secondly the way of peace that John the Baptist was to guide our feet into and in that we will dwell mostly upon what we read in the first chapter of John because that is the inspired word of God giving record of what John's ministry actually was. Then thirdly, the effect of being in that way of peace. And I hope under that heading we'll have some balance as to what the real effect will be in this world. But firstly, what is man's expectation of peace?
you know, the Jews, though they had sinned, though they rebelled against the Lord, in the days of Jeremiah, they were expecting, they were looking for peace. And we read in Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 14, a people that had priests, had prophets that were coming to them and dealing falsely. The Lord says they have healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed, neither could they blush. A path that they are walking in is repeated in other places as well. That all the time Jeremiah was trying to set before the people their sin, God's righteousness, the coming judgments upon them, they wouldn't hear of it. All they wanted was to continue on in the way that they were and have peace in that way. And doesn't that describe really the world at large, what it wants from religion, from the gospel, what it wants in the way of peace is to continue really in a state of alienation from God, continuing on in their own sin and yet still have peace. There is the expectation of the coming Messiah, Emmanuel, that he would be the Prince of Peace. That beautiful verse in Isaiah 9 and verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And he set forth further on there that he should be on the throne of David. So there was that expectation in that way of the promised seed of the woman, the Christ that should come. We think then of the peace offerings that are set forth in Leviticus and that often attended after the burnt sacrifices. Nevertheless, there was three occasions set forth when those peace offerings were made. They were made as a voluntary offering, they were made as following a vow, and they were made in thanksgiving. We specifically have it in the case of Hannah when she had vowed concerning Samuel. Samuel was born. Samuel was then brought to be uh, with Eli in the house of God. But she didn't come alone. She brought offerings as well. Today, our idea of a peace offering is if we've offended someone, 
we bring them a present. A husband, a wife, husband might bring his wife flowers as a peace offering to make up for something that's been done wrong. And it is a way that something that what we are doing in that offering is, is going to help and make peace. But that is not how it's set forth in the scriptures. In the scriptures, the whole teaching is we are not adding anything to God. We are not making anything towards our peace, but we are giving thanks for what God has done to make our peace. And really all of the offerings in the Old Testament, the ceremonial law, they all point to Christ to his work, not to what we are doing towards our salvation, but what he was to be doing. But the Jews nevertheless had an expectation that in their worship, in their sacrifices, and of course those that truly had faith, they looked past those things and they could see the coming promised seed of the woman that there should be the fulfilment of the antitype, the real offerings of peace that should be made. But all of these things brought an, an expectation that there was to be peace coming. And so then with Zacharias' prophecy, a further expectation right before uh, the Lord Jesus Christ was born. And then when he was born, the hosts of heaven uh, coming and proclaiming to the shepherds on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Not peace on earth, but on earth peace, goodwill toward men. All the time there's that expectation of peace. But we can have an expectation that is quite different from reality. And especially thinking of the Jews wanting to continue in their sin and still have peace. We can see where our Lord is coming and he's to deal with sin. He is to bruise Satan's head. There's to be enmity between the seed of the woman and Satan's seed and ever there was between Cain and Abel, Esau and Jacob all the time, Ishmael and Isaac all the time there's the conflict between the two seeds between God's people and those that are not God's people and so we hope to look at that the implications of that a bit later but what is your expectation? What is mine? When we have peace set before us in the word of God, what are we looking for? What are we expecting? What is the blessing that we are hanging upon? Well, John, here he was to guide, guide our feet into the way of peace. Not just to look about upon it, not just to know about it, but actually to walk, our feet walk in the way of peace, to experience it, to know it ourselves. So I want to then look, secondly, 
what John's ministry was. What did he actually testify concerning our Lord? Well, in the Gospel according to John chapter 1, and here we have John's ministry, the beginning of his ministry, and very much the first part of it, he is emphasizing it is not him, he is not, he is not the Christ, he is not worthy to unloose the latchet of the shoe of him that's coming after him, he is the one. We read there, began in our reading, John bear witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Very clearly deflecting away from him and unto Christ. It's a strange thing that there were those that still clung to John, were disciples of John, right up until John was in prison and, uh, and then he died in prison. But in this passage we read of two hearing him speak of the Lord and immediately following him. They left John, they went to the Lord. And in that way John is a beautiful time of a minister and the disciples of those who should react when a minister does what John does and point out the way of peace, do they not to follow that minister only as far as he follows Christ, but they are to walk in that way of peace. And this is what John so desired. Don't look at me. Don't follow me. I'm not the Christ. I'm pointing to who is. May that always be our desire. Where is the minister pointing? Where is he directing our steps? And look there. The first thing then he says, this way of peace is to be a way of grace. He says in verse 16, Of his fullness have all we received and grace for grace. What a reminder, you know, Peter says in his epistles, If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious, God is good to all, his uh, uh, mercies over all his works. In him we live and move and have our being. He is good to all, causes his sun to shine on the just and unjust, and the rain also opens his hand, satisfies the desire of every living thing, in that sense, all of us have received of his grace. And it's pointed here, John is pointing to the way of grace as opposed to the way of the law. The law was given by Moses, but... Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Doesn't mean, of course, that the law of Moses was not true. It is true. But what is true also is that man cannot fulfil that law. 
He cannot obey that law. Now, Lord Jesus Christ was born of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law. And the truth is in Jesus. He is the way, the truth and the life. And our Lord bear witness to the truth of the holiness and righteousness of God, the need that there should be a full satisfaction of that law. Remember, in the broken tables of the law, when they were restored, they were put in the ark, the type of our Lord, that law is done. And that salvations by great faith, it is the gift of God, the free unmerited favour of God. It is the mercy of God, undeserved. And that way of peace is through that way. There's no peace will be found when we are seeking salvation by the deeds of the law ourselves. Paul, when he wrote to the Romans, he says in chapter 10, how that he bore witness of his own people that he desired to be saved, that they had a zeal after God, but not according to knowledge. They, being ignorant of God's righteousness, were going about to establish their own. They did not know that way of peace. They were not seeking it in the way of peace, not by grace, they were seeking it by works. If ever you or I are to be saved, it is by the free favour of God. It is by what God has done for us, not what we have done for God. May we always remember that. It's what God has done for us, not what we have done for God. So John is very clear in pointing this way, the way of grace. The second way that he is very, very clear pointing is in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and truth came, how? By Jesus Christ. It is the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, that he was to lift up, extol, point out, and make very clear that this is he. This is he that was right from the beginning. John, in his, as he begins this gospel, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and this is Jesus Christ, the Word, the eternal Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. This is the testimony of scripture concerning our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord said, If ye believe not that I am he, you shall perish in your sins. There is none other name given among men whereby we must be saved. It is in the Lord Jesus Christ. The testimony of the eunuch after he had heard Philip preach 
and expound Isaiah 53 as fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ, he began at that scripture in that chapter, preached unto him Jesus. And when he desired to be baptized, he says, If thou believest with all thine heart thou mayest, and his testimony was, I believe, that Jesus is the Son of God. And so John is pointing to the way of peace is in Jesus of Nazareth as the Son of God, the eternal Son of God. If you and I are to be directed into the way of peace and walk into the way of peace, it is through our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. But it is also pointed out as through the Spirit of God. In verse 32, we read, John bearing him record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode on him. The testimony is of the witness of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but especially that the Spirit rested upon our Lord. Now the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, is the author of the Word of God. He is the author of the new birth. He is the one that brought about the conception of our Lord Jesus Christ in the womb of the Virgin Mary. He it is that is absolutely vital in the preaching of the word of God, tarry at Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. The Holy Spirit rested without measure on the Lord, fully upon him, as upon none other man. And that is vital. The way of peace is through the Holy Spirit of God. And our Lord made this point in his ministry that when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. He shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. Wherever the Holy Spirit is, he is not in the foreground, the same as John wasn't going to be in the foreground, but the Lord Jesus Christ will be. Wherever the Spirit is, Christ will be precious. He will be revealed. There will be life, spirit and life. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. Carnally minded is death. It is the Spirit that quickeneth or giveth life. The flesh profiteth nothing. And so that way of peace is by the Holy Spirit of God. And again, he is directing us to outside of ourselves, to the power of God from without, working in us. He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. It's pointing unto the Holy Spirit that reveals Christ to us, that shows him to us. The next thing that John's witness and ministry was, was to point out the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God. 
We read in verse 36, And looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. Now the Jews would have known very clear what this meant. They knew what it was for the lambs of the offerings, a slain lamb, the paschal lamb, the Passover lamb. They knew what it was. They would have known when the promise was given to Abraham and Isaac had asked, My father, the fire of the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham's answer, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. God would be the lamb. He would be the offering and he would be the offerer. Abraham said, Our Lord, saw my day and he rejoiced at it. He saw that way of peace. He saw that without the shedding of blood there is no remission. Without the shedding of blood there is no peace. It is only through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that we are brought nigh. It is only through the blood of Christ that we are redeemed, that the debt is paid, the debt is settled, the wrath of God is appeased. That is the only way. And this is what John was very clear Our Lord said to the two on the way to Emmaus, Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? There must be a putting away of sin. There must be a paying the debt. It cannot just be brushed under the carpet. It cannot just be forgotten. It cannot just be continued in and indulged and imagine that there shall be peace with God. No, the Lord must first pay the debt. That must be settled first. And once the debt that his people owe, then, then the Lord Jesus Christ himself will do that work in the hearts and lives of his dear people, bringing about a Peace, a peace between sinner and God. So making peace. It is a vital thing that the one who died upon Calvary's tree also is the one that is to work peace in the hearts and lives of his people. Now when the disciples heard John pointing out Jesus as the Lamb of God, their response was to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. The way of peace is to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now really we could preach a whole sermon or many on that alone, what that means to be. But as a way, Mark, and dealing just here in this message of John and the Scripture's choice of words and choice of the summary of John's work in guiding us into the way of peace, 
if you and I want the way of peace, then it is in following the Lord Jesus Christ, following his word, following his people, following the ministry of the word when he is faithful to the word of God, following the ordinances of the house of God. The Apostle Paul, he said, be ye followers of God as I also am. Of Be ye followers of me as I also am of him. We are only to follow a man as far as he follows Christ. The way of peace really summed up it is in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. I am the way. May we know this way of peace. But if we do know it, May we not be stumbled by the actual walking out of it and our expectations of it. So I want to look lastly at the effect of being in that way of peace. When Paul writes to the Romans, Romans chapter 5, he speaks of that peace with God. He says of those that are justified by faith as Abraham was, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Peace with God, because justified by faith. Justified is counted, not condemned. Counted free from guilt. Like in Romans 8, chapter 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Faith, it looks to Christ and believes. Christ has completely paid the debt, made our peace, and in that there is peace, believing that there is nothing, nothing more that comes between us and God. There is nothing for us to pay. The work is finished, the work is done, Christ has made our peace, he is risen again from the dead. And it is through faith that is the gift of God that is given by the Lord Jesus Christ that gives that peace. If you and I know the peace of God that passeth all understanding, it is when faith is strong to see so clearly what Christ has done for us and our standing before God because of that, faultless before the throne of God. It will then have 
an effect of an inward peace. An inward peace. And I'll make that point because our Lord says in John chapter 16, the closing verse of that chapter, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And this is where the reality of what this peace is starts to come into focus. A peace in Christ, an inward peace. Outside there is tribulation, there is trial. When Paul wrote to the uh, Philippians, he says to them in the fourth chapter, verse 7, why well, we go to the verse prior, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And all the time the emphasis is in Christ Jesus. In verse 9 those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. The blessing is through our Lord Jesus Christ, is through the God of peace. Another effect of the walking in the way of peace, to know the gospel, the good news, of salvation will be that it will bring us to have a nature that desires to, as much as life in us, live peaceably with all men. Changes the nature from that of a lion into a lamb. The Lord says... Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest unto your souls. It will have an effect upon the disposition of those that have it. Saul of Tarsus is a very different character when he is converted and he is poor. The runaway slave, Onesimus, is a very different character when he is sent back from Rome by Paul to Philemon. No more a servant, but a brother beloved. A real change is wrought even in the outward dispositions. Many years ago, stayed with the late pastor over in New Zealand, who was a foreman, or had been a foreman in a mechanics workshop. And he was still a very imposing man, a man that you could be frightened of. But my friend said, he said, well, he said, you should have known him before he was called by grace. There was a man that did something wrong in the workshop and rather than face him, he ran away from his work and never came back. 
But grace had made a difference and it softened that man. The peace of God brings that difference, a peaceable disposition. It will bring about a love to the brethren. It may be by nature we've been just like Saul of Tarsus, hating the people of God, hailing them to prison even, killing them. But we have a beautiful token in 1 John. We know that we pass from death unto life because we love the brethren. And the way of peace then, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples indeed, in that ye love one another. And the exhortations are to have peace one with another. There will be that effect. But then there's to be another Effect, an opposite effect, perhaps that we hadn't really realised what would happen. In John chapter 17, we have in verse 14, this is the Lord's intercessory prayer for his people. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. How does that look like peace? How does that look like the fruit of the peace of God? That suddenly here is a people that are in the way of peace. Their feet are in the way of peace, but they've got those that hate them. And then it comes very, very close. If we go back to the Gospel according to Matthew in chapter 10. And we find a people there, right in their families. The brother shall deliver up the brother to death. The father, the child, the children shall rise up against their parents, cause them to be put to death. Ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that endureth to the end shall be saved. Now the Lord has said, think, think not that I come to give peace upon the earth, but rather division, rather division. You know, when there is a family and they've all been following in the ways of the world and the ways of wickedness, and the Lord comes and converts one, they don't like that. And the world doesn't let go of its own very easy, and nor does Satan. We have an adversary in the devil. As soon as a soul starts to pray and seek the Lord and seek those ways of peace, we can be sure that Satan will be our adversary. He'll rise up against us. And in this world, there will always be conflict, wars, because of sin. And Lord's people are in the midst of it. And we see how they go through this world. We see the three Hebrew children being threatened with the fiery furnace if they don't bow down to Nebuchadnezzar. They won't seek peace at any cost. They won't go along with him. They'll stand their ground. They'll hold him. They're thrown into the fire. The Lord is with them in the fire. And they're brought out with not even the smell of fire on them. 
But they testified even if the Lord hadn't delivered them in that way, they would not bow down and worship. It wasn't peace at any cost. Same way Daniel, he would not stop praying and worshipping his God. He continued on in that way, though he was thrown into a lion's den. The people of God in the midst of a world that is at enmity and hatred to the things of God, they were also like that. And it is the God of peace that has come and he has brought them out of it and he has delivered them and he has saved them. Another effect of being in this way of peace is that we will have a God that is our Father, a Heavenly Father. And sometimes he raps in frowns as well as smiles, those tokens of his love. In Hebrews 12 we read of his chastening every son whom he receiveth. And it is through that way that they are brought to peace. A child left to itself bringeth its mother to shame. The church of God will be shamed by those that are not rightly disciplined, corrected and brought back into the fold. Those that are uh, an enemy to right discipline or enemy to the true peace of God. And where it's not uh, followed through, where it's not uh, honoured, then there cannot be that peace in the church of God. But the Lord deals with his children faithfully and so that there will be peace between them and him. And that's the great blessing. It is eternal peace to guide our feet into that way in which between our soul and God there is no jar, there is no barrier, but there is peace there. And that peace speaking blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there'll be sacred times when we feel that peace. Peace in our consciences. Peace in our souls. And sometimes in the midst of trouble, we wonder, why is it? How have we got this peace? We may ask the Lord how it is that we feel such peace. The Lord may drop in, thou will keep him in perfect peace. His mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. How is it that Peter, when he knows he's to be brought before Herod, James had already been slain with the sword, but there is Peter, he's asleep. How can he sleep like that? How can he have peace like that? The Lord had told him how he should die and it wasn't by the sword. It's a blessed thing. Where the Lord gives peace, then man cannot take it away. And some of the martyrs have given testimony to that, even in the midst of the flames, to have the peace of God in their hearts. May we truly know then that way of peace. May we be not in any illusions as to what it actually means and where that peace is. Not be thinking, well, if we're in that way of peace, then the world has got to be at peace and everyone has got to be at peace with us. 
And we've got to be at peace with every man. No. The Lord comes and he plucks his children as brands from the burning, separates them, brings them to himself, brings them to walk in the way of peace in this world, trusting solely in him, in the Lord, in his sin-atoning sacrifice, and in his word and in his way, a true follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. May the Lord grant us then to know and to walk in the way of peace. Amen.